are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with Ryan Tracy. Locked On Steelers, Locked On Chiefs, taking you through Thursday. We don't have Thursday night football this week. That's a little crazy, but we got a lot to talk about because the reason why we don't have Thursday night football is because of all the schedule changes. Ryan and I are going to get into that in the first segment here. But before we do, we got to talk about our great sponsor, Pepsi, because this season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's those made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So, Ryan, my man, first of all, how you doing? Glad to be back on the show with you, friend. Yeah, man, it's been a while. Things are, it's been crazy. Every week it's more and more tense, right? And you know, over at RGR Football, we are just trying to keep up at this point. Plenty of content out there because everything keeps changing. We don't know if we're going to play a game this weekend, if you're going to play a game in the middle of the week, if you're going to play, you know, 17 weeks from now, you might have a bye. You never know. If you're the Denver Broncos, you found out you had your bye, like, with two days left in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean that's what happened to the Steelers too. They, you know, they, they get told, "Oh, okay, well, this is now your bye week," and it's just it's rough, and it's it's forcing teams to adjust to things. Uh, and now, and this again, I was talking about this on this very show a couple weeks ago when all this stuff started to go down, and I was like, the best way to handle this is for the NFL to just move games they have to postpone till after the regular season because now what's happened. There's all these different moves that have to happen because of what happened with the Titans and what happened with the Patriots. Ryan, here's a full list of every single move we got here that happened. Oh, yeah. Hit me. Hit me. Broncos Patriots moved to week six, one o'clock. Chiefs Bills moved to Monday, October 19th at 5 p.m. Jets Dolphins moved from from week 10 to week six at 4 p.m. Jets Chargers moved from week six to week 11 at 4 p.m. Jaguars Chargers moved from week 8 to week 7 at 425 p.m. Chargers Broncos moved from week 11 to week 8 at 405 p.m. Chargers Dolphins moved from week 7 to week 10 at 405 p.m. And Dolphins Broncos moved from week 6 to week 11 at 405 p.m. If you don't remember anything I just told you, it's because it's stupid. (laughs) And there's too much of it. I mean, especially for these, these Monday night games where you have to put them so early if it's good that there aren't that many fans in stands because they couldn't get there. They're not going to get out of work for these, what, three o'clock, four o'clock kickoffs on a Monday. It's ridiculous. And it, it, it comes back to the fact there's been too many things that have been let go. And it, yes, there are dominoes that cause more of this than the other uh, Tennessee Titans. I'm talking to you and folks, if you are a Titans fan, we're not singling you out. We just wish things had gone a little bit smoother. And if, you are a Broncos fan or you are a Steelers fan. We feel for you and what your guys have to go through in losing that bye week. We're going to talk about all of those things as well as some of the other teams that come through. But at the end of the day, it's about the league trying to squeeze as many games as they possibly can into this season that really shouldn't have. I want to ask your opinion, Chris, because preseason, I didn't predict uh, the, the Chiefs, the team that I cover, with a 16 and 0 or a 14 and 2 
I called them 12 and two because I had planned that something like this was going to happen and they might only get to play 14 games. Does that in any way resemble reality now? It's certainly a question that's on the table right now. My thing with this, Ryan, is that I think they're still going to get 16 games out because the NFL don't lose out on money. You know what I'm saying? Like they forget the shoulds, forget the woods, just count the the dollars because that's what the NFL is looking at. And they say, hey, 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 I know things are rough, but come on, CBS and Fox and NBC, they paid good money for this stuff. (laughs) So um i I think that i think that that's the bottom line they're still gonna find a way to get 16 games for every team in there and and that's the thing is that i I think that still they could do that if they just pushed it back and then here's the thing when you push it back to week 18 19 you know and stretch out the playoffs those can all be primetime games and then you're making more even more money with the advertisements like come on think people but um but yeah it's just so wild I wanted to ask you ryan about this did you see all the videos and all the comments coming from the titans like Taylor Lewan coming off the field and saying like, oh, they, they hate us, you know, but we thrive in adversity. But I'm like, blah, 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 wait, wait, what? Y'all, you, no, 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 You created your adversity. Whether or not the the, the outbreak started, uh, you know, from illegitimate gains or Ill- illegitimate, you know, the, the, the actions by the Titans is one thing. But there is evidence. And, and now like Roger Saffold coming out and trying to defend you guys for practicing off the field. And then you're trying to say, oh, we didn't do it. But then you have guys defending the fact that you did it. All that adds up to no, 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 no. You don't get to claim like that. You know the world's against you guys. <laughs> you started this. The, the only people that get to claim that are the teams that you've changed their schedules up on, and they aren't. They aren't even doing that. Like the Steelers, they're just like, eh, whatever. We got to do this. You know, right? The, the the Broncos. Melvin Gordon's. You know, says stuff, and now he's been caught with DUI. Um, but uh, but you know, for the most part, the other teams are just like, hey, we just got to stay focused. We can't worry about that because. That's not going to change. That's the league. We got to focus on how, how to win. So I just the whole adversity thing just seemed like a, just like a little too much for me. Well, I agree with you. I want to sit down with Taylor and explain. Adversity is something that is put upon you by an outside force, not you stepping on yourself and putting yourself in that position. And that's the problem is it's not just them. Like you said, it's been the epicenter, but it's affected other teams all along the way. So much so that like the bills have been delayed multiple times because of what they've had to deal with. Patriots obviously had a little bit of an outbreak as well. I I think they saw what they could do to curtail that as much as possible. It's, it's the empty fascinations of an explanation that just, don't fly anymore. And so congratulations. You spanked a team that you had twice the rest before you played. That's not exactly fair and even competition in this league either. It's, it's not, it's, it's so wild. And I mean, again, I'm not discrediting their win over the bills. They, the, you you play who you play, but then to come out of it and act like you were the aggrieved team in that situation is like a little, uh, that that don't, that don't add up for me. Um, but you know, but but again, the, these schedule these schedule changes are are flipping the entire league around. Um, and, and I guarantee, when you look at matchups week to week, coaches are looking at okay, like you know, there's certain younger guys that they make tr- they might try to play wait to play until later in the season, and then all of a sudden that opponent changes, and then you're like, okay, well that might change up our approach this week, um, or you know, or speed up you know, when our scouting was, that's the other thing. People forget that a lot of times teams will send their, their scout department just to go watch what a team does the week before. What happens then is like, Oh, well that's, you know, that, that doesn't matter because that game got moved three weeks later or got bumped up to this week. And now everything's messed up. It's just, uh, again, the, the chaos here, I think the NFL is still handling it. They're doing their best, but uh, or they're, they're, they're trying to do their best, but I, I just, I still think the, the better answer was to push things back 
And if teams got to have multiple buys to get there, teams got to have multiple buys to get there. But I, I think forcing all these moves games from a week 11 to week seven and all this other stuff, it's just adding further complications that are going to get worse if there's more outbreaks. And right now it looks like there probably will be with the rate that we've been going. Yeah. And, you know, for me personally, and I, I'd love to know what the fans think. You guys leave us iTunes reviews and let us know. Do you mind if the Super Bowl is played in March? Because I don't think pushing it back that far is a big deal. I personally would love to find out. So make sure you hit us with that. Hit us a, at, on Twitter as well. You can always find us. And we'll give you the tags here in a bit. But do want to remind you that there's somebody that is on your side. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people ever play professional football. But instead of entering the league, they play in another one. It's called the League of Football Watchers. And this football season will be different. We clearly know that. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. There's a great matchup of number of them this weekend. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. As we're officially through five weeks in the NFL season now, start to get a little bit of an idea about some of the changes, the evolution that goes on in this league. And it is a league that pendulums back and forth in a lot of different ways as teams try to fight for parity, which actually ends up balancing the scale somewhat. But one thing that's always stood out to me is the classic three-year rule for a wide receiver in, in getting into a system, getting to learn it, getting to understand how the league works. That's kind of been turned on its tail this year. Without the preseason, without preseason games in particular, all of a sudden we see guys like Henry Ruggs and Chase Claypool kind of turn that thing on its head. What's your take, especially on Claypool, because you get to cover him? It's, uh, I think it's remarkable, especially this year, for rookies to be excelling. You didn't get a mini camp. You didn't get a rookie camp. You didn't get a preseason. All of that went away. You're just out here learning on the fly and making things happen. And I'm very impressed by a lot by a lot of these rookies. Uh, right now, as far as if you, if you look at just pure fantasy, if you're a fantasy football head, uh, you look at Chase Claypool is, is the number 10 fantasy receiver producer right now. Uh, you know, he's got, he's got four touchdowns on the year receiving. He's got an extra, uh, rush. He's got five touchdowns total. Um, he's got over two, he's got 261 yards, but right behind him in fantasy production is CD lamb for the Cowboys. He's been playing extremely well for them. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's just another sign. One, we've seen a lot of the NFL this year that it's just a higher propensity for passing. There's so much more up there. Um, you know, that, that allows for the passing game to open up. There's a lot of holding going on that is not called across the league. And I think that that's impacting games by a lot, but, um, but looking at, at, at a lot of these young receivers, it's very impressive to see them like Justin Jefferson is another one for the Vikings. I think he's playing, playing very well um, when he's given the opportunity to, uh, but yeah, that three, that three year rules out. And I think that more players are, you know, quickly becoming acclimated to what the standards are of the NFL. And the thing that stands out to me, too, is that especially in, in given situations, you see coaching staffs adapting to the college game, too, which is making that transition that much easier. You can walk in, run routes out of the slot just like you did a year ago at the college level. And for the most part, you're going to have an idea where you're supposed to be in space, where you're supposed to attack a given zone. Now, 
there's more disguise in the NFL. There's better athletes in the NFL. Athleticism is what I think this comes down to because all of these guys, even if you take a year removed like DK Metcalf, who still doesn't have the biggest route tree in the world, but athleticism shows as athleticism. And if you can hit those spots, I think that's really the key in adapting from the college game into the NFL these days. No, I think that's a, that's a great point right there. Is the, the athleticism is one thing, but knowing your route tree is another. Um, I could say from Chase Claypool studying him, um, uh, you know, they the Steelers line him up everywhere. He's lined up in the flanker, the split end, the X, the slot. He, you know, he's 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 moving all over the place, and that makes it tougher for teams to lock on to him. Um, and and that's a challenge. It's not easy for receivers to do. You know, Martavis Bryant, Mike Wallace, a lot of the guys, even Judas Smith Schuster, when he came to the Steelers, all, all throughout their times there, they would take their they would it would take time for them to learn the different spots and all the different hot routes that come with each spot and in all the different formations. But they're, they he seems to be Chase Claypool seems to be picking up on it. And DK Metcalf, even though he doesn't have the biggest route tree in the world. He does. He does present a lot of different challenges the way in the way that the Seahawks offense can move him around and try to get different matchups with him. Um, and then even when he gets matched up with big time players like Stephon Gilmore, he's come out on top. So uh, it, it's very impressive to see these young guys going. But you were talking about coaching and, and, and the influence of the game. We've we're seeing we've already seen two coaches go this year: Dan Quinn and Bill O'Brien. And there's a there's people talking about that. It's a hot seat for Adam Gase, who I think his seat his seat should be exploded into the sun. Um, but uh, but but you know I just I think that there's there, there's st- there's still a look at what's going on with coaching in the NFL right now with the challenges that they face. And I mean I, I honestly thought there would be less of a rush this year with all the pandemic stuff of who would get fired, but apparently not. Yeah, I was with you. I kind of felt like because it's such a strange setup for this entire season, you know, a a little bit more grace would have been given to how you get through, especially the beginning of the season. It's pretty early on. I am a little bit surprised, maybe not by the O'Brien thing, because the expectations were very high. You had hoped for a rebound in Atlanta, right? But I don't think the expectations were the same as they were for the Texans. So maybe that's a bigger letdown. But let me ask you this. Dan Quinn has had ups and downs. I was a little surprised that it was a wholesale change in Thomas Dimitrov being let go as well. Is that a franchise that has to rebuild from the base up? Does that include Matt Ryan? Are you looking at trade partners and that kind of thing? I feel like the the base that they had years ago that got them to the Super Bowl has not been has not hung around enough it it isn't like the team's been eight and eight and just missing things uh and it's just been you know just coaching lapses it it looks like the culture of that organization has been wrecked from what it what it was headed to when they were up what was it 24 points 25 points in the super bowl um you know it, it seems like they have just continued to spiral downwards to me that does mean that maybe they do need to look at it and maybe the, the thing is is that when you rebuild you still have to have pillars that hold your organization up to to allow those new player players to come in and learn what the culture is that you need them to accept so if they feel that Matt Ryan is the guy that can usher in that new era by holding down the quarterback position which is you know one of the toughest things to hold down in the nfl then by all means keep that but you know maybe you should look at you know calvin ridley he's a piece for the future absolutely but maybe you should look at you know julio jones you love him and he's a franchise player for the team but you know if you're if you're considering a rebuild he would be a piece that could get you a really high pick for whatever new coach gm situation comes into the team and then 
that could be part of your rebuilding process. And maybe Matt Ryan would be in that book as well. But uh, but they got to find somebody that's going to hold the team up and say, hey, you know, we came from what was failing, but we want to set this new standard. And we're the and we're some really good players that can hold you to that standard. You know, that's a very good point, and, and Ridley is a, a case in point on that roster. Let me ask you this, just to, to wrap it up nicely. If it's an A or B situation, which job is more attractive to you given what they have, in one having the young quarterback in Deshaun and the other having the supporting cast that maybe you can use Matt Ryan as a transition quarterback if you do get uh, the draft pick that we're expecting the Falcons to have? Where do you want to go if you're a guy out there, if you're Eric Bieniemy and about to be offered some kind of 16 different jobs in this league where do you want to go give me Deshaun Watson every day I'll take him over Matt Ryan easily even though Matt Ryan was an NFL MVP uh just the way that Deshaun Watson balls out for you uh you know I just I I love the way that he fights I love the way that he that he always even when his team isn't all the way around him and there's problems here and there he's dodging ducking dipping diving and dodging again to make plays happen um and uh, he, he's the driving force on the team that they even they stripped him of his weapons. You know, he was supposed to have DeAndre Hopkins this year and they sent him away for David Johnson. You know, it's just it's been one bad thing after another. Now, granted, the, the, the Texans are wrecked in their pick department because the Dolphins have, I think, their first two picks this year or something like that. Um, but with Deshaun Watson, I would feel a lot more comfortable building around him and then still having J.J. Watt as one of those pillar guys that says, hey, I know what it takes to end here, and this is what's going to be acceptable in our new environment that we're building here. Um, so I, I would take the Texans just because I see I see those guys and I see that a better chance for structure there. I'm just not sure what what you know who who would hold that up that way for the Falcons other than Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And frankly, it doesn't seem like they've been doing that anyways. It seems like J.J. Watt was the driving force to get rid of Bill O'Brien after all the things that have happened in that organization. And again, Deshaun Watson, I just the way that he fights, I think, is I'm I'm more inspired by that than what I see with Matt Ryan. You know, and it's funny that you bring up fight in a quarterback, because before we get to this next segment, I want to make sure that we cover the best. The leading offense in this league just lost their leader, a guy that fights for them constantly to see what happened to Dak Prescott. On the same day that Alex Smith returns to the field, is just a little trippy for me. And you have to you have to put your heart out to Dak Prescott. I don't know the extent. We haven't seen the full diagnosis yet, but Dak is a guy that I think leads not only in the fight, but by an inspirational quality. I don't know if that offense can function the same without him. Even if you have solid quarterback play, it's the intangibles, I think. How do you think that they recover from the loss of Dak Prescott? I mean, Dak did so much for them in a system that was built around him. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a rough place to look because, like, he was holding up that he was holding up so much for that team. That defense is just putrid right now. I'm not so sure that they do hold up with this. I think Andy Dalton's a decent enough quarterback that he'll still put points up on the board, but they need this, this offense needs to get into like Big Twelve type of football type of game. They need they need to be putting up points at rapid pace and force teams to get aggressive and make you know risky mistakes that allow their defense to capitalize on those mistakes and then that's how they win uh, I don't see the Cowboys holding on too well with Andy Dalton I may be wrong uh, Andy Dalton could bounce back and and really I mean, he's a TCU guy so he's back in Texas and he's doing he's, he wants to do his thing there but um I just I see even with the weapons that they have they'll still put up points 
but what Dak was doing was really special, I think, with the Cowboys. And um, and I just I, I don't think that Dalton's going to be able to keep that up enough. And they don't have the ammunition on defense to fight back in other ways. So I think it's unfortunate, um, but um, I, I do think that we're going to see a major uh, – r- a rough year for the Cowboys in a year that, disappointingly, they were supposed to be the leader of the NFC East. And, you know, we don't even know who that is anymore. <laughs> just how this year's going. You know, I mean, and Andy Dalton's going to end up being like the premier replacement part. And we know somebody that knows a lot about replacement parts. Chainsaws have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus the do-it-yourselfers like me. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices as the market bears or when your lineup changes. Uh, RockAuto.com is for everybody, and it doesn't require membership or a login. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com We're back here on the Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm Chris Carter, he's Ryan Tracy, and now it's time to talk some football games even though there's no Thursday night football, which is weird, but actually I don't mind it, Ryan, because Thursday night normally stinks, and I am actually not mad about this. I actually feel it's weird. I feel a little bit better about Tuesday football than Thursday football. Just yeah, it, it slides through, right? It feels yeah. almost natural, or a lot more natural than Thursday does. I'm with you. Because Thursday um, you play a game, and there's two games of no NFL football. But meanwhile, Tuesday it's just like it's like extending the weekend a little bit, which. Yeah, you know, I think everyone can get behind it. Tuesday night football, I mean, no, I thought everyone was like, was like, yeah, give us that. <laughs> I'll take it, that's for sure. But, you know, I have to say it's a nice break tonight. We don't have to make a pick that is, you know, scores and numbers. I think I'll just pick a couple of games here. Just a winner. That's all I'm doing. That's all we're doing here. The first game we're going to we're gonna back off of, uh, you know, we just talked about Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. Dalton's going to get his first start with the Cowboys against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, two teams that have been tough to figure out this year. Cardinals three and two at the Cowboys, who are two and three. Uh, Kyler Murray has been, you know, ha- has been doing his thing here and there. But the Cardinals, you know, they just lost Chandler Jones for the season. Um, and so it's, it's kind of crazy that both teams are losing a superstar player like that right before this game. But, I mean, Ryan, is this is this a game where maybe Andy Dalton says like, "Ha ha, I do have this, Chris Carter, and you can shut the heck up about me," um, or, or or do you think that the Cardinals they get to four and two? Because I, I just feel like they're they're just a better team overall than, than the Cowboys right now. They're certainly more balanced. I agree with you there. And, and I've been going back and forth on this one. I think maybe Andy Dalton has a little bit of the Nick Foles syndrome. I, I thought he came in from out of nowhere. Uh, and did fairly solidly. I feel like he might be able to give them a little bit of lift. But again, that's that's lifting your strength already, right? That doesn't address your defense and trying to stop anybody. We've seen what Kyler Murray can do on his scrambles. I don't see anything that tells me the Cowboys can stop that. And my bigger question is, Hop's doing his thing. It's making Larry look younger, in my opinion. The interesting thing for me is you got like 92 yards from Chase Edmonds last week. You got 60-plus from Kenyon Drake, kind of a one-two punch. Is this something that they're in better shape to take advantage of and be able to not have to necessarily keep up with the pace that Dak had them at? I think this does play into it, and I'm going to take the Cardinals here. 
Yeah, I'm right with you. Like you said, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, you know, just – and then even with Kenyon Drake and they're working in Chase Edmonds into the game, I just see that as a lot of ni- nightmare matchups for the Cowboys. And the, the Cowboys might still put up some points, but I just I just don't see them hanging around with, with the Cardinals on that one. But moving right along, um, we got the – we got a, a what normally would be a uh, – you know, if, over this past decade, it would have been like an all-time matchup with Brady versus Rodgers because the Packers are coming to town against the three and two Buccaneers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers coming off a bye week. The Packers are four and zero. Tom Brady and, the, and his new fit Buccaneers are three and two. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been lights out, but the Buccaneers, I think have a better defense than the Packers, even though the Packers haven't been bad on defense. Um, it's, it's go- I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup to continue to establish what identities this these teams cling to for victory yeah and right now they're revolving around their quarterbacks and i can understand that this feels like the uh you know thaw a guy out of ice and throw him back on the field kind of game but they both have hurting primary targets in the past game they both have some things that they can grow the the rush game from again i'm going back to the run i kind of like that but it seems like there are complementary football things that can help both of these guys but I think it all boils down to the fact that new environment for Brady, um, lighting a fire under Aaron Rodgers. If, if all you had to do is draft a replacement, maybe they should have done this a couple of years ago. I think, yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny that, like, you know, now that he's he's mad and he wants to prove people wrong, it's like, that's the Aaron Rodgers you wanted all along. Um, so uh, so I'm, I'm going with the Packers just because I think Aaron Rodgers is just more on fire. I like, I like what some of the things the Buccaneers are doing on defense, but – um, give me a rod right now. I think that the Packers are going to limit the big play opportunity for the Buccaneers, and uh, it's and Tom Brady's going to end up making some of those those not so good throws that he's made uh, since he's he's become an older quarterback. I mean, heck, the guy forgot it was fourth down last week. Um, uh, I, I don't see Aaron forgetting anything this week, and uh, they, they the Packers marched to five and zero. I'm with you. Uh, I'll take Aaron Rodgers as well. Uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Moving right along, a Sunday one o'clock game. And to me, this is the Sunday one o'clock game that if you aren't playing this week or if your team's playing later, this is the game that most people should watch. It's the four and one Browns against the four and oh Steelers, the team that I cover. And um, this is a very interesting rivalry matchup. Now, Ryan, you don't know this because you don't have to cover this rivalry every every single year. But the Browns have not won at Heinz Field since 2003 when Tommy Maddox was a quarterback for the Pittsburgh <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger was still playing at Miami, Ohio. In the history of Heinz Field, there are 13, count them 13, maybe even more if I, if I dig up more history, there are 13 Western Pennsylvania high school football teams that have more wins at Heinz Field than the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> And to get there, those high school football teams have to go through an entire season of playing games, win the, do well in those seasons, then get to the playoffs, get to the end of those playoffs, and then play in a championship game. Meanwhile, the Browns play at Heinz Field every year, every year because it's mandatory. So for the past 20 years, more high school teams have won there more this year. But this is supposed to be a different year, Ryan. The, the, the Browns are 4-1. and one. They, they just beat the Colts, who were looking very good this year. Um, the Colts are now three and two. Uh, 
And, and so now you got Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt still playing, and, and they're talking about how they want to win this one for Miles. I, even though I'm kind of confused because Miles was the one who attacked Mason Rudolph, and there's a lot of confusion there about who did what. But yeah, <laughs> there's, there's some interesting elements to this game that's historically Steelers Browns, an old rivalry, but the Steelers have dominated it for the past. 30 years, it seems like. Um, where do you see the Browns going and what the Steelers have been doing? You know, I think that the path that the Browns are on, they seem to have figured things out. They seem to have gotten everybody pulling back in the same direction. I can't say that of a couple of weeks ago. So when your star receivers are starting to actually act like they're paying attention to their quarterback, that goes a long way. I feel do feel they're on the resurgence. But for me, being able to balance the offense, to have – somebody for Ben to throw deep with again. And and it's one week. Chase Claypool might be, you know, uh, a three reception for 14 yards this week. We don't know. But the option is there. And I think overall that balances it out. And I think it makes the Steelers more potent. I will say this. I'm going to take the Steelers. But if Chubb were active this game, I think I might have flipped it. That's that's possible. Um, Again, there's a lot of talent on the Browns roster. I just – I've always been a person that believes – in structural integrity amongst teams and the Browns, they may look like they have it right now. But the thing is, is that I've thought that for, you know, for the, you know, several times when they started to have a spark or a couple players on their team over the years. And every time when it, when push comes to shove, I mean like last year, they beat the Steelers at home. It, they were like, this is our time. Our time is now. And, and then miles Garrett loses his mind. And then they come to Pittsburgh. Their coach is wearing a Pittsburgh started it shirt. And then they just get destroyed by Devlin Duck Hodges, um, which just was emba- well, I thought it was it was entirely embarrassing for them as an organization. I, the Steelers they're not even talking about the Miles Garrett stuff. They literally said it's reality TV. We don't care. He you know it doesn't matter to us. We're, we're we're worried about what he does on the field as a player than anything else. Meanwhile, the Browns are talking about winning this one for Miles Garrett. I, I think the Steelers still have the edge of the Big Brother mentality over the the Cleveland Browns in the division as they've had you know, since the seventies, uh, you know, and there was a break there in the eighties where the Browns were starting to, you know, move themselves into position, but they've, they've been a dumpster fire for quite some time. I think the Steelers, they don't blow the Browns out. This is a, this is a competitive game, but I, I think you start to see some cracks in the Browns and they fall to four and two and the Steelers move to five and zero. Oh. Um, so we're both on the same page there. My butt, my gutty, my guy, Ryan, we did it. We made it through another show here. As, as always, everyone, thanks for listening to the Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. Ryan, let people know where they can find more of you and your work. Everything is over on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL, and you can check out RGR Football on YouTube as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. Thanks for those who do. Um, again, he's the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. I'm the Locked On Steelers Podcast. Rate us both five stars as well as this Locked On NFL Podcast five stars on your Apple Podcast rating uh, 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 app there. Thanks for thanks for doing that, everybody. I'm also the pit beat writer for uh, for DKPittsburghSports.com. If you're a Pittsburgh sports fan, I, I cover the Steelers and pit football and basketball there. You can catch all my work at DKPittsburghSports.com. Thanks, everyone, again, for listening to the Thursday edition. We'll be back in your ears next week, but don't forget to tune in tomorrow for Friday where the guys get you ready for the big games.